This is New Hampshire's home for sports on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. It's very diverse and very competitive, uh, but it's it's uh, we got a we got a room full of brothers in there. Uh, everyone I can tell you right now is mentally and physically tough. Um, you know, the addition of Mike, he's been you know a stud, a uh, guy that's come in, worked hard, um, and showed and displayed toughness. So. Uh, when we get those kind of things, uh, we, we like those kind of guys. We go about our business all throughout the season with a uh, high level of intensity, 
Um, so that's nothing different now. Um, but the excitement of it is that it's, you know, you win or you go home. So uh, that's, that's fun in this high stakes. Quick throw, batted out of the air by Jadeveon Clowney. Third down and 12. Cook, Zion Roy. to the right, he threw it up for grabs, and it's fielded by Clowney, whose ankle tackled by Latavius Murray at the nine-yard line. That's an unbelievable catch and concentration by Jadeveon Clowney. Well, I think he's a, you know, big guy in the pocket. Um, Stand tall in there, he can make all the throws, and he's also you know athletic to where he can get out and extend play. So, um, as a front, you have to do a great job with your pass rush integrity and understand that you know he's a, he's a good quarterback in the pocket to make all the throws. I mean, I just crave the big game moments, you know, playing in games that matter. You know, a lot of times you don't really get to do things that matter, uh, and I get I have a chance to do that right now. Gabriel Landeskog, everybody's calling to talk about him right now. Question is, what do the Avs want to return? It's a lot, and you can understand why it would be a high price. We're talking about a, a top-level defenseman, a first-round draft pick plus. Now, to some around the National Hockey League who have interest primarily from the Eastern Conference, it's a bit outrageous. You're talking Run the penultimate edition as we listen to a great live cut of the Who. Who are you? And we we dedicate that song to the two winter teams here in Boston <laughs> on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm Jimmy Murphy, your host. That is Justin Sullivan working the boards. And Justin, why would we why Ridiculous. would we pick that song for the Ridiculous. Boston Celtics and the Boston Bruins specifically for the Boston Bruins? I, I literally cannot pin down this team. I'm sitting at my buddy's house watching that game last night, and as soon as I got off the air, you know, I was kind of waffling back and forth on the air here because, you know, I don't, I just don't know with this team. I have no idea. And part of me wanted to say, you know what, they'll just blow them out. You know, I, that was what I was going to say. And I sat down and I looked at them. I said, they're going to blow them out tonight because that's just the team they are. They show up for games that really are games that you wouldn't expect them to show up for. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to take nights off, you would think it'd be teams that you would think are better than you. The St. Louis Blues are a better hockey team than the Boston Bruins, period. And somehow they get up for these games. I, I don't get it with this team. I'm so confused. Wh- who are you? Are you, the, are you the terrible team that can't stop anybody in your own zone? Or are you the team that shows up and beats the St. Louis Blues, takes Pittsburgh to overtime, you, you know, beats the Canadians in the Bell Center? Which one are you? Please tell me which team you are because you got to decide here. We're coming close to the trade deadline here. Things are starting to heat up. I played the Landeskog cuts. That's starting to heat up here. you got to make a choice here because if you're going – if you're a good team, which I don't know if you are, but if you're a good team, you got to figure it out now. Yeah, I'm, I'm so it, done with and, this team. And it, it, absolutely true. And we heard uh, TSN's Darren Drager discussing uh, those trade rumors circulating uh, over the last week between the uh, Avalanche and the Bruins. And he will be joining us 
uh, at the end of this hour at 3.40 p.m. here on the Stretch Run. J- Darren Drager of TSN and NBC joins nice, us nice. to talk those trade rumors, uh, some Bruins, some NHL. Oh, and Ooh. maybe some World Junior Championships. <laughs> Just rubbing it in the face a little bit. Darren and I had a nice little bet oh, that we good. made on Twitter during that USA camp. Actually, it was just prior to the game beginning last week, a week ago tomorrow, uh, where he bet that he would, uh, if if Canada lose, lost, he buys rounds next time we are at oh, McLean's good. in Montreal. And uh, I have tweeted out there, and McLean's <laughs> has already said they will take care of his tab. Yep. So he'll be rounds. happy to know that. They said shots on us. But... Uh, <laughs> But we will uh, discuss that and many things hockey with Darren Drager. Psyched to have him on here on the penultimate awesome. stretch run. And, and, of course, on what we've just uh, found out is our last stretch run in person, yes. Sully. Yep. That'll be our last in person. Right I'll now, be, today. I'll be from uh, hosting from here tomorrow while you're at Buffalo Wild Wings. And yeah. a good time. Yeah, so I'm a little, I'm a little sad. I won't, yes. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, we will be at Buffalo Wild Wings in Concord. On Loudon Road tomorrow, definitely come by if you're in the area in Concord, New Hampshire. Eight Loudon Road, the Buffalo Wild Wings. We've been there before. Great times. Pretty way to, good way to go out. Yeah, it is a good way to go out. <laughs> uh, something tells me I'll, uh, I might end up uh, at that Holiday Inn Express across the street. <laughs> yeah, if all goes yep. well. Yep, of course, <laughs> but no, we uh, we'll be up there tomorrow. Uh, actually, Nick Anastos will be joining me. Psyched to have him alongside for what will be the last stretch run for now. Who knows what the future brings? We're not ruling anything out. But uh, for now, this will be the last stretch run. So you do want to tune in. Sully has already been working diligently on preparations for this uh, finale of the stretch run or hopefully temporary finale. Pretty good, pretty good opener. And we I will, found yeah. some good game. Yeah, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have some, some fun game. tomorrow. So definitely tune in tomorrow. But we're going to have fun today. And we got a great lineup. I want to... Uh, before I get back to that song and why I think it applies to the Celtics as well, yeah. uh, next segment we're going to play the Bill O'Brien press conference. Uh, I did reach out to a few Texans writers. Hmm. Uh, one of them got back to me and said, what is there to discuss? The Patriots are going to murder them. <laughs> and I'm busy. Sorry. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like the honesty. Wow. They're already being so <laughs> losers, though. Like, wow. Wow. And I'm busy. Sorry. Ooh. So there's a, uh, a lot of confidence I, there. Yeah, you know? yeah, they're really looking forward to things down there in uh, Houston, huh? Be like that little clip I sent you, Sully. Do we do we have that of uh, Tom Hanks? You know that movie Houston. I can just say it. Houston, we have a problem. That's exactly what they're saying right now uh, as the Texans prepare for the Patriots. I mean, they have to play the game. It's not etched in stone that the Patriots are going to win this game. It's very likely it would be an upset of epic proportions. Yes, a big upset. But they still got to play the game. Yeah, they, still, they still have to go out and play the game. They still have a good defense. I don't know why he's you know, throwing, it, throwing that under the bus, too. They still have Jadavid and Clowney. They and have some guys a that, very good defense. They have guys that can create some problems for Tom Brady and make it difficult. Just... And I'm going to say this. I mean, I'm not advocating it. I'm just yeah. telling you what I would do. You're in the playoffs. You win at all costs. Yeah. You take out Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go well. You go after him. You, you get, go right for that if knee. You, if you get if you get home, 
on a blitz or on a pass rush. You absolutely and they had what's his name at one point was on that team, right? The guy that's on the Broncos now that did take him out when he was with the Texans. Yes, uh, Ward, yes. right? Yes, Is that his name. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not like it hasn't been done before. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not sense. the clean, classy, right thing to do. Of course not. But it's the playoffs. But that's about the only way they're going to win this game. <laughs> it's the playoffs. It's me knocking on wood. Yeah, yeah. God help us. Yeah. Uh, but that is the only way I could see the Houston Texans winning that game. But we will uh, we will hear what Bill O'Brien, of course, a former member uh, of the Patriots staff and Massachusetts native, has to say about the upcoming divisional game mm. in Foxborough with the Patriots as his Texans. What if he says the same thing as uh, his buddy Ryder said there? Yeah, right. <laughs> they have no shot. No chance. We have no shot. One minute press What do you guys want to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go for a new job after this. I can't stand my quarterback. I hate uh, everybody here. This is a mess. This, this sucks. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we will also, at the top of the second hour, welcome on good friend from Comcast Sportsnet New England, Phil A. Perry, to get the latest on the Patriots. He was down in Foxborough today and yesterday. Uh, we will get the take on what's going on in Foxborough with the Patriots. We will talk about the aforementioned Celtics in the mid-segment of the second hour with our good friend Patrick Gilroy, uh, who does a pregame here on ESPN New Hampshire. And my thing is with the song in the Celtics there and Who Are You?, like, not only have they been that way in a season, they were that way in that game last night. Yeah. How do you blow that lead? Because <laughs> you're the Boston Celtics. Against a team that's <laughs> lost five games in a row. I have no idea with, with them either. Because Is this going back to where they were reading their clippings a little too much oh, again? Yeah. I think, I think and they thought they could take their foot off the pedal? I think they're that team. I really do. I think they're that team where things get Well, here's a newsflash. Jay Crowder. Look at Jay Crowder. Look what happened You're not a that. superstar team. Yeah. You need grit. You're scrappers. And that's what you need. When you're scrappers, you need to scrap. Every night. If you're going to pride yourself and live off that motto and live off that reputation and, and embrace those press clippings that you are a scrappy, hardworking team, well, then you kind of got to live up you to kinda, it. You kind of have to do it. <laughs> you you have, have to do show it, up. too. Yeah. You don't show up for three quarters yep. and have a chance to tie for second in the East against a division rival and just... Okay, let's go. I also think they don't know how to win either. I really, I'm really starting to think this team doesn't know. Well, did that game not remind you of that whole series against the Atlanta oh, Hawks? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like identical. Yeah, they, it was they, everything that was wrong with them in that win. series happened last yeah. night. And and they, the other thing is they haven't addressed major problems on this team. They still don't have a rim protector. They still don't have guys that could put the ball in the net other than Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is your only offensive option, liable offensive option. Yeah, Avery Bradley will have a couple games where he goes up. Yeah, Jay Crowder will throw in 21 every once in a while. But you can't rely on a guy that's 5'8 on a good day to give you 41 points every. It's just not going to happen. So not only do they not know how to win, not only are they reading their press clippings, but they haven't addressed their major problems. They still have major problems on this team. And it's going to be the same way until they address those problems. Yeah. It really is, and so they need to take care of that. We'll talk to Patrick Gilroy of ESPN New Hampshire to discuss maybe how they can take care of that. Uh, and then, since I won't be here tomorrow, and since we're really going to be jam-packed um, with guests, we're going to be rolling through tomorrow. We won't have time to do it. We will do our NFL picks. And, Sully, what we need to do, since we will not be on the air after tomorrow, uh, we're going to have to pick right on through the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then, you yep. know, we can announce what happened on Twitter or what have yeah, you. Yeah, so we're going to have to go through Twitter on and, this one. And, and so here's here's what I would like uh, if I win the bet. Now, I, I will not make you break the bank. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, my friend. Good. I don't the, have, the, I don't this have is what I would like. <laughs> I would like Justin Sullivan, should he lose the 
season-long and playoff-long uh, NFL picks pool to Jimmy Murphy, I s- suggest that you, Mr. Sullivan, have to take me on the within your budget. Yeah, the uh, Sully pub crawl tour okay. that you you do and tell me about so often with your okay. friends. Yeah. And sense. I would love to meet all your friends because yeah, uh, they sense. listen to the show, and I appreciate their support. We can do that. We, we will that do that. We'll, we'll schedule it when there is a boatload of hockey on. Yes, yes. Maybe uh, like a pub. Saturday matinee game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, start yep. up at like 3 o'clock. Yeah. Go right into Hockey yep. Night in Canada and Get hopefully all the 7 o'clock here. Bruins. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll do all that. All right. That makes sense. Now, what do you want? I got to think about it. All right. We'll you probably get to me by the end of the show. Yeah, we'll get to you by the end of the show. If not, it'll be on Twitter for sure. All right. Absolutely. All right. That makes maybe sense. I'll maybe I'll I'll, I'll take you on a uh, pub crawl in Montreal someday. Oh yeah, that that might be it. That might be it because we're trying to plan. Uh, speaking of my buddies, we're trying to plan our next trip to Montreal because we well, went we went to Montreal on a trip a couple years ago and it was awesome. We did the whole thing. We're trying to figure out when our next trip's going to be. So you know what? As we speak about this, <laughs> you know, I am going to look in the break. We're going to uh, we're going to make that work. We should see if the Habs are playing at home St. Patty's weekend. Oh. <laughs> Because what happens yeah. is every St. Paddy's weekend, all right, the Habs uh, usually play that Saturday night. Hmm. And the pub owners that I know circle everything around that. Yeah. And they do a bunch of stuff for all the, you know, visiting fans coming in and all that. And it, and there's just tons of Irish music everywhere. Like, you know. Yeah. Like As usual. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it, it's a great time. That's it's, awesome. it's a lot of hockey, Irish music. And adult beverages. A.K.A. everything we live yeah. for. Yeah. So there you go. So maybe <laughs> we'll figure that out. But yeah. um, So that's what I need, and that's what I will do. We are tied, by the way, and we will get to that in the final segment of the second hour. In the final hour of this penultimate show, uh, we will welcome on, possibly, we're working on it. It's up yep. in the air. We're going to play it by air. We're going to continue to examine these uh, possible trade scenarios between the Colorado Avalanche and the Boston Bruins with one Mike Chambers uh, of the Denver Post. Uh, A good friend of mine has been on the show before, so he will give us the inside scoop on that. Hopefully, if not, we'll talk hockey as well in that segment. Uh, We will then welcome on Steve Conroy to discuss last night's game, which he covered for the Boston Herald, and look ahead to tomorrow when they play the Nashville Predators down in Smashville. So a jam-packed show here. Second to last show. Penultimate show. Gotta use that word. Penultimate. I love that word. Penultimate. Love that word. The penultimate stretch run. The stretch run of the stretch run. So stay with us here. We'll be back. Justin Sullivan, Jimmy Murphy, here in the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire.
You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Remillard with ESPN New Hampshire Student Athlete of the Month of November with Gabrielle Masseur from Nashua North. How are you? Thank you so much. You broke Nashua North's high school across goal record as a junior. So that was obviously a really special game. We were playing against Merrimack. Definitely a really great game and it was really exciting, but I couldn't have done it without my teammates helping me out and getting the ball and feeding it to me and their support and my coaches' support. What's your favorite thing about playing lacrosse? So I love getting the ball and transitioning it from whether it be defense to offense, getting it from the draw and just like sprinting down as fast as I can and getting it to my team. I really like the teamwork and effort. On here, I'm seeing some volunteer work at the Nashua Soup Kitchen. Yep, I'm involved a lot in like within my school and like sports in my community. Nashua Soup Kitchen's one. I'm also vice president of National Honor Society. I'm a leader in Titan Connections. I'm a leader in Team Titan. I'm officially the secretary in the class of 2017. And where are you looking? at going to school, Gabby? I'm actually committed to play um, lacrosse at UNH. What is your inspiration to go above and beyond? My parents have always been there to support me and to believe in me, and I think that has really helped me become like the athlete I am and always reach for the stars and to go with all my heart, push to be the athlete and the person I am. So they definitely inspire me so much. That was Gabrielle Masseur from Nashua North, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gait video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located at Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Have you suffered a motor vehicle injury and need professional assistance? Do you need a team that gets you back on track and taking the green? That team for you is Bardis Law. Bardis Law has three attorneys and two paralegals that can assist you if you've been injured in an accident. Athletes get injured on the field and on the track all the time. Routine injuries can be expected in sports. Accidents are not anticipated in everyday activities. If you get injured in a motor vehicle accident, call Bardis Law at 603-420-8588 or visit www.bardislaw.com. In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire magazine. Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit NHOC.com for more information. Every big sports moment can be heard right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Classic a shot down in front, picked up by Crosby, lobbed down the ice, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Flips to Jacobs, three for the win, it's good! Steps back, puts up a three, won't go, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions, the Cavaliers are NBA champions! We've got it all here, this is ESPN New Hampshire. What if you got rewarded for every good decision? What if your heart had a special way of letting you know it appreciates your healthy choices? Oh, I've got to get my family to eat more vegetables. Amazing! And instead of cooking with butter tonight, I think I'll saute our veggies with a heart-healthy oil. You're a genius! 
So really, would your food choices pay off in heart health? Did you know that when you replace bad fats with healthier fats, like those in canola or other vegetable oils, it can lower bad cholesterol levels, and that's good for your heart. Here's a winning idea. Take up the challenge for good health, because the you of the future will say, Fantastic! Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. Imagine your 14-year-old daughter and her best friends may be getting ready to go out. They're laughing, maybe trying on clothes, and maybe taking sips of vodka straight out of the bottle. Imagine your kid doing that. New Hampshire ranks second in the nation for binge drinking among 12 to 20-year-olds. You can learn how to protect your kids. Visit CheckTheStatsNH.org and help the partnership for a drug-free New Hampshire. Start the conversation today. Don't want to call? Just text the show on our new text line, 845-827-1250. Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing. I stirred the text. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Rumors spread around. Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. As we promised, we we're going to give you a little Texans head coach, Bill O'Brien. That's what he had to say yesterday about the upcoming divisional round playoff game in Foxborough with the Patriots this Saturday night. Hey, John. How are you doing? Could you talk about in the first game, Dwayne Brown wasn't there, and Belichick was very complimentary of him this morning. Talk about what what Dwayne means to not just your passing game, but the running game too. Well, let's yeah, let's start what he means to our team. You know, he's uh, he is one of the definite leaders of this team. Uh, he's a captain. He's a he's a guy that uh, when he came back from an injury that's very difficult to come back from at that stage of your career. When he came back, you know, we were able to uh, basically improve our running game instantly. And so, you know, and, and, and our pass protection. So, you know, look, the guy is, uh, 
a guy that's very tough. Uh, just personally, I have a lot of respect for Dwayne, and um, I'm just really glad that he's you know, back where he's at and playing at the level that he's playing at. Well, when you look at Whitney Merciless, a lot of guys play well in clutch moments, but him particularly in his playoff experiences, what is it about him as a pass rusher? What is it about him kind of maybe personality-wise? Talking about Whitney? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Whitney, Whitney, uh, you know, I don't even know where to start with Whitney. Whitney's a very hardworking guy. He's a guy that's, um, he's, he's very regimented in how he approaches the game, meaning like he's in here at 6 a.m. no matter what the schedule is. He's watching tape. He's, he's working out. He's, uh, he'll go in the weight room and work on, uh, you know, different techniques that uh, maybe, maybe Vrabel has asked him to work on or Romeo or, you know, the guy is very meticulous about how he prepares. And and he's been that way since we got here. You know, we were pretty tough on Whitney when we first came here because we saw a lot of potential with the guy. And he, he took the hard coaching. He took it to heart. And now he's, you know, obviously one of our best players. He, he affects the game. He's a disruptive guy. He's a he's a guy that we move around and quite a bit. And he's, he's done a nice job for us. What has Martellus Bennett meant to that offense, and especially since he's had to step up with Gronkowski out? Yeah, he's a great player, John. I mean, he's uh, he's a big guy. I think he's a six-seven, you know, two hundred seventy-pound guy that can run, athletic, got uh, big-time catch radius, got great hands, good route runner. He can block. Uh, you know, he's a big weapon for them and a huge. Uh, uh, you know, challenge for our defense, you know, because they move him around. They don't just line him up in the core. I mean, he's lined up as a wide receiver. He's lined up in the slot. I mean, they they do a lot of different things for him. So it's a big challenge, and he's a big part of their offense. Bill, uh, early in the conference call, Belichick said uh, about you, he's one of the top coaches I've ever been around, period. You're not going to do much better than him, referring to you. What, was, what does that praise, uh, hearing that from Bill Belichick, feel like? And, you know, what was that relationship like the time you were there? Well, no, I appreciate that. I mean, coming from uh, Bill, you know, that means a lot to, you know, you know anybody that gets that type of praise from Bill, you know, obviously, me. I mean, that's, uh, it's obvious that that means a lot to, to me and to whoever he praises like that. I know he has a lot of respect for us, and we have a ton of respect for him. The uh, relationship, you know, when I was there was a good one. We, we, we worked very hard, and, uh, you know, he was a great mentor to me, still is, and also a great friend, you know, so... Um, Appreciate the kind words and um, appreciate it. Bill, after the game, you, you mentioned Clowney's instincts. He's always around the ball. Obviously, I mean, some of that's innate, but he's developed that as well. How have you seen him learn how to apply that innate skill, talent that he has at the NFL level as, as he years have gone with him? The great example of that, I think the reason, the specific reason I said that was in that game, on that interception, that was a really instinctive play. You know, that wasn't like we could all take it credit for coaching that, but that was a great instinctive play. The back came at him. He understood what was coming at him. He saw the quarterback through the back. He basically backpedaled to get in the throwing lane, tipped the ball to himself. I mean, he did several things on that play to really uh, change the game at that point, you know. And, you know, that was something that just overall we, we, we noticed when we were watching him at South Carolina and then obviously since he's been here. You know, the thing with J.D. is, like I've said thousands of times, when, when he first came here, he dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, you go from knee to concussion to shoulder to elbow, whatever, ankle, whatever it is. And this year, and coming into this year, he's been healthy. 
for the most part. I mean, he's banged up like everybody else, but he's, he's, he's generally healthy relative to this time of the year. He's able to be out there at practice. He's able to get the coaching on the practice field, not just in the meeting room. And, and he's playing at a high level, and he's having fun. You see his personality. This is who he is. He's a fun guy. He's a great teammate. Uh, he plays the game very, very hard. And how has your guys' relationship grown? You mentioned coaching Merciless hard early. I know you guys pushed Clowney. Uh, he had to kind of understand, yeah. you know, be able to take certain things. How, how have you guys kind of grown to go together? Yeah, no, you know, look, I think that's probably a better question for him. I, I mean, personally, you know, I... You know, I, you know, I've been hard on JD at times when he was a younger player and, and his first and second year. Um, you know, only only for the reason that uh, you know I, I just knew what he could be. You know, and uh, uh, you know, look, I think that uh, I have respect for him. And he has respect for me, but it, it hasn't always been a bed of roses. I'm sure several players would tell you the same thing about me. But uh, but I think that he. He just has done a nice job of being healthy and taking care of his body and being able to be out there at practice, and uh, and he, that's why he's playing the way he's playing. Well, one of the better matchups is uh, DeAndre Hopkins against Malcolm Butler. Uh, just your thoughts on the quality of Butler as a corner and kind of uh, just kind of watching those guys go at each other better. Yeah, Malcolm is a very unique player. Um, just kind of watching him over the last few days here. He's a very unique player, and what I mean by that is. You know, if you look at the prototypical, whatever that is, corner, and you look at height, weight, and speed, you know, maybe he doesn't fit into that total category. But what, when you when you throw the film on, you quickly see that he's one of the best corners in the league. And there's a lot of reasons for that. He's very strong. He's very tough. He's very instinctive. He's got really good hands. He's got a great knack for knocking the ball out. He's very well coached, as their whole team is. And, and he's a very competitive, tough player. So uh, he's a difficult challenge, whether it's Hop, Fuller, uh, Muff, whoever's running routes on this guy, it's going to be a big-time challenge. He, you're going to have to run a great route to get open. Bill, with a bigger back leg one, how, how do you not let him wear a defense down as the game goes on? Yeah, you know, look, I think the big key is just the basics of stopping the run that we have is, you know, making sure that we do a good job of setting the edge and build a wall. And, you know, when you let a big back like that, like, you know, Blunt or Latavius Murray, when you when you let those guys get through the the first line of defense and the, it's kind of like the train rolling down the tracks, you're gonna have a hard time tackling the guy. You know, he's a not only is he big, but he's athletic. He's got a lot of rack yards. I mean, he, he doesn't go down with the first contact very often. You gotta square him up. You have to wrap him up, and he's a he's a uh, he's a big challenge. It'll be a big challenge for our de- our defense. You're obviously familiar with Brady and the Patriots' long line of success and even failures. Uh, when you look at when Brady is not tip-top, do you go back and study a preparation for this game, what the Giants did in those Super Bowls with their NASCAR package across the D-line? The NASCAR package across Where they basically went with four defensive ends just to get constant pressure. Uh, The way I would just tell you that uh, when you're in the playoffs, no matter what side of the ball you're looking at, Jason, I would tell you that you look at every – you don't leave any stone unturned. You know what I mean? So you're going to go back and look at – it doesn't matter who you're looking at, offense, defense, special teams – You've got to go back, uh, especially with your quality control guys. Our guys here do a great job of working hard at like not only just the games themselves over time, but also the situations that have come up in different games and how the Patriots have handled those things. You know, this year, maybe you know, years past, whatever it is, it's just a lot of grind, a lot of uh, grinding of film. And so it doesn't matter what, what side of the ball you're looking at. You got to, you, you really have to take the the model that you're not going to leave any stone unturned. 
Bill, uh, Belichick said along the lines of what you've already been asked, he learned a lot from you. So thoughts about that, and, and what's your thoughts about how much you learned from him? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think he's, uh, he's, a, he's a good friend, like I said, and I appreciate his words. You know, I, so there's a little of what uh, head coach Bill O'Brien, Houston Texans, had to say yesterday regarding the New England Patriots and their big tilt here in New England on Saturday, Gillette Stadium, 8-15. As I said before, I don't know. I can't see a way the Texans win this, but you never know. You never know. But uh, at least unlike the writers in Houston, he's willing to talk about it. Yeah, he's willing to talk about it, and he's uh, he, he's he's showing a little more confidence than, uh, there's nothing to talk about. They're just going to get smacked. That, yeah. that, that attitude is, I mean, that's, I get it, but like, wow, that's that's a good attitude to take into a, your your biggest game of the year. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get smacked. It's over. Yeah, no, he's he's got a little more confidence in his team than that. So we will see. I don't think he's a coach there, by the way, next year. Oh no, no, he's leaving. Yeah. He's gone. You can tell. Him. You can tell by the sound of his voice. It's like yeah. cold on the bench. How they say he yeah. has no reaction. You can tell by the sound of his voice. He's like, yeah, this is this is stupid. I'm so done here. I'm we done will here. see what happens there. But uh, we are gonna switch gears and talk some hockey. Yeah. In the next segment. We will talk with Darren Drager, yeah, hockey insider from TSN and NBC, one of the best in the business. We'll get the latest on all the Bruins trade rumors. We'll talk some World Juniors, uh, maybe some Olympic news. Make sure he knows that he's uh, paying for rounds, too. Oh, yeah. He will know. He will know. He will know. And we will welcome on Darren Drager here in the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. It's wide and high, deep in the heart of Texas. Sage and blue is like perfume Deep in the heart of Texas Reminds me of the one I love Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing. I stirred the tanks. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for The Right Time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. How would you like your office to be located in the heart of downtown Manchester? The former Ted Hebert's building at 922 Elm Street is ready to house your business. With over 28,000 square feet available, the time is right for your business to maximize this rare opportunity. Again, there is now office space available at 922 Elm Street, the old Ted Hebert's building, but it won't last long. Contact Tom Finney at 603-647-6800 or visit loopnet.com. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is a place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. It's Sunday sit-down with Jared Scaley. The salary cap is going through the roof. Insane. The money is going to be 10 times worse than what it is this year. So yes, that contract was 15 a year, 15 and change a year. If that happened, if he signed that deal now, that's 20 a year because of where the salary cap's going. All right. Numbers are going to be inflated. NBA fans are obscene, are going to be obscene seeing some of the numbers that are going to come out in the next yeah. couple years. And a lot of outrageous, and we're going to talk about it on here. We're going to talk, everyone's going to talk I mean, about it. The numbers are going to be stupid. Every Sunday from 11 to 1 on ESPN New Hampshire. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment 
to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. Imagine this. Your 14-year-old daughter and her best friends are maybe getting ready to go out. They're maybe upstairs in her bedroom with music playing. They're laughing, maybe trying on clothes, putting on too much makeup, and maybe taking sips of vodka straight out of the bottle, which they might tuck into someone's purse to take to a party. Imagine your kid doing that. It may be hard to imagine, but it is happening. New Hampshire has a big alcohol abuse problem. In fact, New Hampshire ranks second in the nation for binge drinking among 12 to 20-year-olds. Second, you can check the stats at checkthestatsnh.org. As parents, we want to protect our kids, but we have to start now before it's too late. Learn how you can make a difference in your child's life at checkthestatsnh.org and help the Partnership for a Drug-Free New Hampshire start the conversation today. Go digital with ESPN New Hampshire. Follow us on TuneIn. To the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. And we're happy to welcome on an old friend of mine, a colleague, uh, Darren Drager of TSN and NBC, joining me now. Drags, how you doing? Doing well, Murph. How are you? Not bad at all. Before we get into the uh, the trade rumors uh, surrounding the Colorado Avalanche and the Boston Bruins, um, I noticed on your Twitter page, uh, Darren, that you... Uh, advocating uh, and, and trying to promote awareness uh, to dementia. Um, and, and I want to give you the platform right now to just tell our listeners what they can do to uh, help that out. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's not a Canadian problem. You know, it's a worldwide problem. It's certainly one that 
will continue to impact North America, Canada, and the United States, and it's Alzheimer's and it's dementia. So, you know, how can people help out, Murph, uh, by, you know, simply logging on to uh, the website? You know, the Alzheimer's websites are, are easy to find in every state in the United States and uh, obviously here in Canada as well. There's uh, Dementia Friends, along with Alzheimer's on Twitter, uh, their accounts, you know, send out a terrific amount of information. Really, that's what my campaign is all about. Yes, it's impacted right. my family. My stepfather was diagnosed in May, and, you know, since then, in that short period of time, he's now in long-term care in, in Canada, in great care, I, I should add. But as a family, you know, we didn't know some of the adversity that we were going to face you know, both in the path that you have to walk medically, but, you know, just how quickly the, the disease, you know, impacts uh, individuals. And, mm-hmm. and that information is available. The help is there. The resources are there. The support is there. They, they're they uh, godsend in terms of uh, answering questions. So my role in all of this is to just use social media and uh, opportunities like this to speak with you, to, to deliver the message that there is support available to you. Uh, look for it, uh, social media, like I said, or online, and do what you can do to continue to, to push governments, but in the process, raise awareness. Well, Darren, it's something that's close to my heart as well. I lost my grandmother, who was, I I mean, arguably as equally as important as my mother. I mean, she was literally like a second mother. She raised me, and uh, she lived till 98, but from 96 to 98, it was it was really hard, because that's what happened, and she... She suffered from uh, dementia, and, you know, it, people don't realize, it, obviously we care for the victims that go through it, uh, the people that suffer from it directly, but the families and the friends around them, it, it's just so hard, and you don't, you really don't know unless, like you say, you go and you try to learn about yeah. it, and you, you get the knowledge, because it is very hard to deal with. You don't know how to react, and if I hadn't done what you're doing, uh, trying to learn about it and, and promote it, uh, I wouldn't have got through it. And so I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, it, personally, it means a lot to me as well. So thank you. Thank you. And, uh, well, let's get, to, let's talk some trade rumors, uh, Darren. And, you know, it's, it's, that's all it is right now. And I realize, yeah. and, and you know, just like I do, how tough it is right now for GMs to get something going with the cap situations <laughs> for so many teams. But at this point, we are seeing where it, it appears that maybe, the Colorado Avalanche and the Arizona Coyotes are starting to let it be known, or not starting to, they already have, uh, but they're picking it up a bit in terms of listening and letting people know what or who could be available from their squads. And one of the hot ones, obviously, around my neck of the woods here was the Boston Bruins and Colorado Avalanche talking about Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, you touched on this. Uh, we think we have it. You touched on this on Insider Trading. We're going to play the clip right now, and then I want you to elaborate right after, if that's okay. Gabriel Landeskog, everybody's calling to talk about him right now. Question is, what do the Avs want in return? It's a lot, and you can understand why it would be a high price. We're talking about a, a top-level defenseman, a first-round draft pick plus. Now, to some around the National Hockey League who have interest primarily from the Eastern Conference, it's a bit outrageous. You're talking about a 24-year-old hockey player here, questionably a second-round or a second-line type of player, and he's only had a couple of seasons where he's had 60 points or more. So the asking price right now is high, but if you're Joe Sackick, it's early enough that you can command that type of ask. Well, that's exactly it. When I talk to other teams around the league that are monitoring the Colorado situation, I think they feel that there's a better chance that the offseason is when the Avalanche really make their serious moves, whether it's Landis Cog and 
or a Matt Duchesne or other moves that the offseason pre- presents a better opportunity with more teams involved with a salary cap, not a factor to make some groundbreaking moves. But I also think more globally, guys, the Avalanche have to decide, is this a full teardown or a retooling of this team that once again is disappointed this year? Okay, Darren. So, of course, that was Pierre Lebron as well talking right after you there. But just, uh, you know, elaborate that. When you say that people are thinking the price is outrageous, of course, we heard Brandon Carlo here, and I don't know if you can confirm that was discussed or not, but um, what is outrageous right now to these Eastern GMs? Well, number one, uh, as I said in the piece, you know, they're expecting a, a top defenseman back, first round pick. And uh, perhaps something else. And, wow. you know, so for me to, to dip into, you know, the organization of Boston and say they're looking for Carlo or they're looking for this piece or that piece, it would be premature. And in fact, you know, although I, I know that Boston is among the teams who has uh, talked with the Colorado Avalanche, honestly, Murph, I, I don't think that they've gotten to a point yet where they're getting down to the specifics of what that deal could or should look like. Uh, I, I believe that Boston, um, Ottawa is another team that would have some uh, interest. There'd be a lot of teams with interest in, in Landis Gog because of the character of the individual and what you think he can provide and his age and, and everything that goes along with that. Uh, but I don't know that Don Sweeney and Joe Sackick have actually hammered out what the parameters of a deal between those two clubs would look like. All I was told by a couple of NHL teams was that you know, when you're dealing with Sackick, when you're dealing with a piece like Lannis Gog, that would be the expected rate of return. Okay. And, and you know, you mentioned Landis Gog there and sort of the skepticism in terms of what his production has been overall since he's yeah. been in the NHL. But, you know, I'm sure others will counter and say, well, you know, look at the situation he's been in and look at what a mess it's been there. And then, of course, while leaving and, and maybe while left because he saw the writing on the wall and what was going to happen. How much do you think, if you know, let's say, just hypothetically speaking, you're an NHL GM looking into him. Do you factor that in? Do you think GMs are factoring that in and say, look, the kid, yes, maybe he's underachieved at times, but he also hasn't been in the best of environments as well? Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. They would take all things into consideration, but they might even consider his health too, right? Mm, he he does have uh, a history of concussions. When Gabe Landeskog broke into the National Hockey League, I mean, he was, you know, deemed to be the prototypical power forward, and he played that way. I mean, this was a guy that played with tremendous physicality and determination. And, you know, he's still, again, a character guy. I I don't want to paint a picture like he's uh, softened over time. He just plays the game differently. And there are some out there, um, rival executives, who wonder if it's his history of injury that has forced him to play a different style. So when you're giving up, a boatload of assets, you want to make sure you're understanding and appreciating exactly it is what you're getting in return. Again, top-shelf character, but is he a 60-point-plus forward, second-line guy, or is he less than 60 points, and is there potential that he dips down into your third line? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then you can understand why there'd be reservations in even considering what the asking price is right now. And I, I think we also have to qualify that. If you're Joe Sackick and, and teams are calling on Landis Gog or they're calling on Matthew Shane or they're calling on you know any piece that's an important piece in your core, you're going to listen. But if you're going to be willing to consider talking trade or moving that piece, you're shooting for the moon. I mm. mean, there's a lot of time between now and March 1st, the NHL trade deadline, and you've got certainty with these players under contract. So 
you know, whatever Sackick might be asking for is really, really high right now. Uh, that price could drop, uh, you know, mm-hmm. between now and, and March 1st. And as Pierre Lebrun talked about, you know, the, the price in and of itself could dip considerably by the time you get to the offseason. Yeah, or the draft there, have you? On the Boston side of things, though, so obviously Don Sweeney's poking around. We know he's been active, um, and he wants a defenseman. He wants a scoring winger likely as well, if he can. Um, But everybody is going to be targeting the likes of Carlo or McAvoy, what have you. And when you look at that team right now, uh, if you were Don Sweeney, and you you saw both these kids play in juniors, you, you saw what they did at the World Juniors there, um, who do you think he's more like if he if he had to give up one to get exactly what he needs? Would I'm I'm on the boat where it would be Carlo because from what I've seen, I think the kid's great. I, I I think he's got a bright future. But from what I've seen and I've seen a lot, I I don't see more than a a number two at best, and that's pushing it. And when I see McAvoy, I see a lot more. So I wonder if if you can still, you know, trade off Carlo right now for a guy with term that's going to come in here and help you and be a one or two to go with McAvoy in the future, why not do it? That's the way I look at it. Am I crazy thinking that way? No, you're not. Uh, but, you know, again, you, you have to be pretty certain um, of what Carlo's upside is, is going to be and, and where that measures. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's not high enough, then clearly you're, you're in a position where, you want to package that asset now while you know people are talking about them, and they're as intrigued as as we might be in having right. this conversation. But we don't know what Don Sweeney is thinking in regard to Carlo. You know, he may think that he's got terrific upside, and he doesn't want to move him in any way, shape, or form. And the only way he'd consider it is if he gets the perfect fit, you know, defensively in return. And yeah, I tend to agree on McAvoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there is tremendous upside there. I mean, coming off the World Junior Championship, I mean, he was lights out good. Oh. So, you know, his his marketability has never been higher, but that includes his value to the Boston Bruins. So exactly. uh, without even asking the question of Bruins management, I think that it would probably be a non-starter there. But Murph, as you know, the market right now for defense, it's, it's weak. And yeah. there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, it's still early in the season. There's lots of teams looking. You know, the Lightning are looking. You know, the Rangers are looking. The Bruins, as we've talked about, Colorado would definitely like to improve their blue line. I mean, I could probably rhyme off another <laughs> five or six NHL teams <laughs> looking for the same type of player. But, you know, they've got some other concerns to contend with, and the expansion draft looming is one of those. Yeah. You know, you got to make sure that – you know, if you're a, a team like Minnesota where you've got depth on that blue line or the Anaheim Ducks, another team that has depth on that blue line, you know, you're going to have to expose some players. Mm. So you better make sure that, you know, by moving out a, a good defenseman, you're covered on the backside. And a lot of teams are considering that at this stage. And, of course, you have to factor in, too, that a lot of those teams are in the playoff race. And who knows, yeah. if, you know, it's, there's so much to balance there. All right, let's switch over to the uh, the World Junior Hockey Championship. We mentioned it there. And, of course, uh, you and I had a little wager going on Twitter, my friend, and um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play a little clip for you right now. An incredible hockey game, and it comes down to a five-round shootout. Now we see Troy Terry. He scores! He's four for four. Troy Terry, the first goal in the shootout. He's done it again. Parsons makes the save. Team USA wins the goal. Nicola Wong. He's stopped by Tyler Parsons! The U.S. has done it! Tyler Parsons with the save! 
The Americans are world junior hockey champions. All right. I'm not going to rub it in. That's the most rubbing in I'll do. And uh, McLean's has already said they're picking up the tab for both of us, so we're off the hook. Nice. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about that, though, the shootout specifically. You guys were also talking about that on Insider Trading last night. Uh, I'm going to play that quickly for the listeners here, and then I wanted you to expand on that because as an American, I'll tell you, too, I know Canadians were upset, Darren. As an American, I was upset because the Americans were outplaying Canada at that point in overtime, and I felt maybe it's going to halt the yeah. momentum. So let's just hear what you had to say last night. Uh, still with international hockey, a lot of disgruntled Canadian hockey fans <laughs> as a result of that shootout loss for the gold medal to the United States. Any changes on that front? Look, there's discussion on change, and I can tell you that IIHF officials from both Canada and the United States are at least investigating some potential scenarios, and they'd look at that 20-minute overtime period. Is it better to start five-on-five, five, play for 10 minutes, shift to three-on-three three for 10 minutes, maybe start with four-on-four four for 10 minutes, shift to three-on-three three for 10 minutes to avoid the shootout or at least curb away from it? But again, all of this is very preliminary. Now, my question to you, Darren, did this specific game spur that talks on, or was this something that has been building? No, I think it's uh, something that has been quietly building. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that anyone you know, loves the, the notion that a gold medal can be handed out you know, via a shootout, but it has been historically, and it's gone in Canada's favor, as we can recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, this isn't about Canadian sour grapes. I'm sure USA Hockey would acknowledge that Part of, of you know being a, a good double IHF representative or being part of the committee that helps run your federation internationally is looking at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and and so this is all pie in the sky kind of stuff but it just feels like the game should be decided by a hockey play yeah. and not an individual skill set uh, yes that's the way it's been played until this point and you know the, the flip side to it is you know, there have to be time certainty as well you know if you look at the olympics and assuming that the nhl goes to the olympics traditionally the uh, gold medal game involving hockey on the men's side is the last event of the olympics and then it's the closing ceremony well they need to know that that game is going to end more or less in a certain timeline but i I like the idea that uh, again the representatives from north america primarily but some of the european federations i'm sure will chime in are at least considering and looking at other options. And there's no sense that for sure there's going to be change the next time there's a World Junior Championship or, you know, at the upcoming Men's Worlds uh, in, in Paris and in Germany. But at least they're talking about some options. And if that spawned from uh, this shootout in Montreal, then there's nothing wrong with at least going through an investigation and talking about it. What should, Darren, you come down and you do some weekly work uh, with NBC, uh, in Connecticut, uh, is it in Stanford where you go? There's studio. Yeah, Stanford. Okay, so you know, being down there, being in our our atmosphere, our environment, um, as the years go on here, are you sensing that that tournament is getting more love from the American public and the American media? Or does it still have a ways to go? Because I, I just I don't understand how it hasn't got to a higher point yet. Because it really is wonderful hockey and wonderful sport yeah. to watch. Well, I'll tell you, Murph, like based on, on my timeline and the responses that I get on Twitter, and I'm, I'm not immersed in the World Junior Championship. I mean, that's Bob McKenzie's domain. Mm-hmm. But I was born and raised and, and cut my uh, teeth uh, from a professional right. standpoint you know, in covering junior hockey in, in Manitoba, in Canada, many, many, many years ago. But I can tell you that the American audience 
is growing and is Good. stronger now than it was in, in past years. And uh, my experience in, in one particular case was a couple of weeks ago. I am in Stamford, and I'm there with uh, Liam McHugh, and I'm there with Mike Mulberry and Keith Jones, and they were glued to the television watching the battle between Russia and USA and then Canada <laughs> oh. and Sweden. And that was all part of going into you know, a night that we had covering the National Hockey League. So the interest both uh, professionally and from a fan base, I think, absolutely is growing. Yeah, it's too bad Sully didn't have a video of me trying to host a radio show during that USA-Russia game. <laughs> I was just a bit distracted, but uh, hey, sure listen, Darren, always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate all the help you always give me in uh, coming on the show, and uh, we hopefully will talk to you down the line, all right? Yeah, anytime, Murph. No problem. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. That is Darren Drager of TSN and NBC joining us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. When we get back, we're going to switch gears and talk some New England Patriots and the NFL playoffs with our man Phil A. Perry of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Stay with us. Who more than self country love Oh. 